Welcome back to the Refugee Report. This episode's focus is the situation in Haiti. This country's tumultuous history has produced a wide variety of humanitarian issues. Haiti has faced countless coups, natural disasters, and instances of foreign interventions throughout the years. Today, Haiti remains one of the poorest countries in the world, leaving it vulnerable to gain violence. Before beginning this episode, we want to warn you that the following information and audio may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Haiti is a country in the Caribbean Sea on the island of Hispaniola, where it has only one land border with the Dominican Republic. Haiti makes up about a third of this island, and it has a few nearby islands. In addition, Cuba is only 50 miles away from the country. The geography is incredibly mountainous, and the country has two peninsulas to the north and to the south. This terrain was produced by a large fault line passing through the country's southern half. This has been known to cause severe earthquakes in the past. Haiti is part of a very tropical climate, but temperatures change as you increase in elevation. However, portions of Haiti are much drier than the rest of Hispaniola. The northwestern peninsula is especially arid and susceptible to drought. Logging, livestock, and agriculture led to the deforestation of much of Haiti during the 1600s to 1800s. This lack of vegetation in many parts of the country has created additional ecological issues. Nearly all of the population is of African descent in some way. The languages of the country are Haitian Creole and French. French is typically used in formal situations, whereas Creole is used in casual conversation. This Creole does contain some French words, but it is a unique syntax in the Caribbean. This language came about when European settlers converted the island into a slave colony. Haiti had the second highest number of enslaved people during colonial times, behind Brazil. These enslaved people worked under brutal conditions in sugar plantations. By the 19th century, a staggering 90% of Haiti's population was enslaved. Many were born in Africa since conditions largely prevented population growth among the slaves. Haiti's economic hierarchy was very complex. It included wealthy plantation owners who were rarely at the plantation, wealthy free people of color who were the children of Frenchmen, poor working white people, and enslaved black people. Among all these groups, there was growing discontent with the French government, and all eventually revolted. However, the slave revolt proved to be the most successful, and by February 4, 1794, the enslaved Haitians were freed. However, Haiti did not gain complete independence until January 1, 1804, following the Haitian Revolution. This made it the second independent country in the Americas. Please keep in mind that the history of the Haitian Revolution is incredibly complex, and this is a very brief overview of it. Haiti's 20th century history produced a constant cycle of instability. The country faced numerous instances of foreign intervention, including an invasion of the country by the U.S. military in 1915. Throughout the 1950s to 80s, numerous coups and lifelong dictators destabilized the country. There wasn't a democratically elected president until 1990. However, this president was eventually overthrown in a coup. This produced an endless cycle of corruption and poor leadership throughout the country. A string of natural disasters has worsened the situation. Hurricanes, severe flooding, and droughts have plagued the country over the last decades. However, the most catastrophic instance 
was a 7.0 magnitude earthquake that decimated the country in 2010. The quake struck just before dusk. Its power shook the densely populated capital, Port-au-Prince, to its core. Shoddy construction in this impoverished nation meant buildings toppled to the ground. A hospital was flattened. Even the presidential palace couldn't withstand the force. The UN says it can't account for many of its staff after its mission headquarters were destroyed. Phone lines were disrupted, making it hard to learn the severity of the situation. The daylight is expected to bring signs of even more damage and many casualties. Although estimates greatly vary, it is believed that somewhere between 200,000 to 300,000 people were killed due to the earthquake. This destruction of critical infrastructure created an array of new issues. Soon after, there was a cholera outbreak that killed thousands of people. Many Haitians have actually accused UN peacekeeping of causing this outbreak in their camps. In addition to this, the rebuilding of Haiti has been notoriously slow. It took months and years to rebuild some elements of Haiti's basic infrastructure. In fact, to this day, some buildings remain in rubble. This is especially problematic because Haiti continues to have earthquakes. In August of 2021, a 7.2 magnitude earthquake damaged the country. This prevents Haiti from fully repairing and leaving it in a state of constant reconstruction. The medical system is also struggling to meet the needs of Haitians. The country has one of the lowest life expectancies in the world and a very high infant mortality rate. All of these issues pose massive challenges for Haiti's youth. Haiti has one of the youngest populations in the world, with one third of the country being under the age of 15. The country's slow development has prevented these young people from accessing essential opportunities. Frustration over this culminated during the 2010s when protests erupted over poor living conditions, government corruption, and gang violence. In addition, there were repeated delays in presidential elections and accusations of fraudulent election results. All of this occurred as a gang war escalated in the streets of Port-au-Prince. This relation between politics and gang violence is critical in understanding the state of Haiti today. Michel Martelly was elected president in 2011. It's important to note that Martelly has been accused of having connections with cocaine cartels throughout South America. Some believe this has helped him gain a further grasp on power. However, Haitian presidents cannot run for consecutive terms. So he handpicked Jovenel Moïse to replace him for the time being. Moïse has been known to have connections to gang leaders in the capital of Port-au-Prince. This, among other reasons, made him an unpopular figure in Haiti. During his presidency, Moïse launched an investigation into drug trafficking within Haiti. As a result, Moïse was assassinated in his home on July 7, 2021, by a group of cartel-affiliated men. Questions remain as to whether government and police corruption played a role in his death. This assassination shows how widespread criminal and gang violence is within Haiti. This is especially evident in the capital of Port-au-Prince. The city is heavily divided between different gangs, and some corners are protected with sandbags and sniper positions. The city's residents are well aware of these boundaries, and these civilians are often caught in the middle of this war. 
The La Saline massacre is evidence of this. The gang leader, Jimmy Cherizier, also known as Barbecue, is the leader of the G9. This is a collective of Haiti's most powerful gangs, often carrying out attacks throughout Port-au-Prince. One attack that Barbecue is accused of carrying out was in the neighborhood of La Saline in 2018. 71 people were killed, 11 women were raped, and countless homes were burned for two days. During this, no police or military personnel came to stop the massacre. It's important to note that this neighborhood was known for its opposition to Moise's government. Many point to this example and others as evidence of a connection between the Haitian government and gang violence. The continued threat of gang attacks has forced many to leave the country. It's important to note that many Haitians also leave the country for economic reasons. But there has been an increase in the exodus due to violence in recent years. There's very little information available about the number of people that have fled Haiti. However, it's estimated that around 60,000 people have sought asylum in other countries. The number of refugees is likely much higher since many Haitians have been smuggled to the Dominican Republic and Cuba. Those who are granted asylum in nearby countries face constant discrimination. This is especially the case in many South American countries. Samantha, a Haitian migrant living in Chile, lost her sister after Chilean police beat her into a coma. Listen to Samantha describe her sister's last words. That's why she cried so much. She told me the police and others treat Haitians badly here. She said they treat Haitians like dogs. But actually, that's not true, because here they treat dogs quite well. Countless Haitians have described being harassed and discriminated against while in Chile. This extends to employment and issues with the government. Listen to this Haitian migrant explain the predicament she faces in Chile. If you want to work, you have to have an ID card. And to have an ID card, you need to work. So if you can't get papers, how can you work? You can't live decently. That's why the majority of my friends have left the country. I have no friends left. The Haitians that leave these countries usually pass through the Darien Gap on their way to the United States. This passage in Panama is perilous, and numerous migrants have died during their journey. If you haven't already, please listen to our episode on the Darien Gap to learn more. Those who make it to Mexico are unlikely to be granted asylum at the U.S. border. Many risk being deported back to Haiti by the Mexican government. This is disastrous for some since they haven't been in Haiti for years. This means they have no connections or places to stay. To avoid this, many Haitians have settled for asylum in Mexico rather than waiting for asylum in the United States. All this is to say that the situation in Haiti is dismal. I'm surprised that it hasn't yet devolved into something worse. Haiti has rampant poverty, violent armed groups, and a government inundated with corruption. I have researched many other crises, and factors like these have created far worse conflicts. To ensure this doesn't happen, the international community must maintain its focus on the country. We cannot dismiss Haiti as a country destined for poverty. Instead, the international community must sustain strong development practices over many years to protect the country and its people. Before concluding this episode, we would like to recommend an organization that helps Haitians impacted by violence. This week, it is Doctors Without Borders. 
This organization treats victims of intentional violence and sexual assault. They're also assisting in improving Haiti's medical infrastructure. Their link will be in the description. While we do recommend this organization, it is important to do research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow us on Instagram at Wartemade for more information about refugee crises worldwide. Lastly, if you're a high school or college student who's passionate about refugee issues, please go to our website and email us your resume. We are currently looking for volunteer researchers to help us with our podcast episodes and our other content. It is a flexible commitment and we would love to have you on the team. Tune in next time for a refugee profile episode. As always, thank you for listening.